my comic shop closed seven years ago, but along my journey, I've met other stores with colorful communities all their own. One of those is Fat Moose Comics in Whippany, New Jersey, the oldest in the Garden State. Now, as it celebrates its milestone 40th anniversary, I am speaking with Fat Moose owners, staff, and customers through the years. This is their comic shop history. Welcome to Oldest in New Jersey, a My Comic Shop History event. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me for part three are two longtime members of the Fat Moose Herd, customers Gene Cahill and Phil Menza. Gentlemen, welcome. Anthony. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you guys. One of the objectives with this event is not only to speak to the owners of the shop, <laughs> but also to speak to the, the other representatives of the Fat Moose community, the herd, as it were. And I know you both have long tenures as being part of that community. So I think it'll be a lot of fun for us to speak for this episode. Phil, I'm going to start with you for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want to thank you publicly to you on the show here. You did the artwork for this Oldest in New Jersey event. So I want to thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. And you also, and I did talk about this last year, but you also did the artwork for the, the longer Halloween, uh, my 2020-2021 event uh, where I reunited with the Alternate Realities Gang. Uh, so I want to thank you to you. Uh, for for your your awesome work, I really do appreciate it. I I also want to toss it to you because you, in part, inspired this run of episodes. You do really? <laughs> yeah. So you do a YouTube show. Can you tell people what the show is and and uh, anything that you want to share about it? Because that's that's going to segue into my point here. Sure, sure. So my channel is Fantastic Comics and Art. And it's basically me speaking in my basement for hours upon end, uh, occasionally the kitchen, um, about really anything comic book or, or art related. That's just something that I do for fun. And you know, I'm a, a little under a year, I think, or so now, but having a good time doing it. Check it out. Yes, I encourage everyone to check out Filtastic on YouTube. <laughs> and I bring that up because I pulled about 30 seconds of audio from one of your old videos. And when I play it, I think it will become clear why you, you are in part an inspiration for this run of episodes. So uh, without further ado, uh, here's, here's a clip. Here's a clip from the Filtastic YouTube channel. It was never, um, never the plan to own a comic shop, but it was either I take it over or it goes away forever. And I couldn't let that happen. We would need, I think, a separate. I, I gotta ask Anthony if he could ever do that. He, I think, Anthony needs to tell the story of Fat Moose. I feel like he'd be better equipped than anybody. Who, Anthony? Yeah. Better equipped than than me? No, no, no. To direct it and film oh, it and oh, you like oh, it. like yeah. a documentary thing. Well, we we're having talks about doing something of that nature. But uh, yeah, so that's my store. So there you have it. Now, of course. I featured Fat Moose on this podcast before, and it played a fairly prominent role in the documentary film, My Comic Shop Country. But as far as doing something dedicated to Fat Moose, again, I know you specifically suggested a, a documentary. It ended up being this podcast event. But Phil, I got to tell you, I got such a kick out of watching that for Sean's reaction. He was so offended. <laughs> 
And I, I'm sorry, that of course was Sean Hendricks. I know people have heard him on the show before, but if anyone happens to be listening to part three of this and this is their first exposure, Sean Hendricks, current owner of Fat Moose Comics. But yes, when you suggested to him that I would be perfect to tell Moose's story, uh, his, his reaction was priceless. But would you expect anything else? Of course not. But he's got way too much on his hands. He, he would be like, look, I was going to do it. And I started with puppets and then Justin couldn't be here. And it, if if Sean were to do it, he's got so much on his plate, we wouldn't get until like maybe the 43rd anniversary. <laughs> now but we would get puppets. <laughs> we would get puppets. Yes. Puppets. That's right. Because on the Fat Moose Comics YouTube channel, Sean does these fairly regular videos. And I know he's he incorporates puppets and really puts a lot into it and, and it makes it a makes it a fun a fun show so again i you know i thank you that definitely planted a little bit of, of the seed in my head that this would be something you know worth exploring like sean said i mean we had been speaking a little bit about doing something but i think that really kind of helped solidify it for me so the first question then phil is a big picture question why what what is it about fat moose for you that made you pose that question to Sean? Like, why is it, I mean, I know for me, but for you, like, why is it worthy of this more long form exploration? You know, Fat Moose has always been just such a unique place. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you it was kismet when I walked in the door the first time, like, oh, this is my shop. But it's something that when I stop and think about it, it's always been somewhere to go, you know, not just to buy comics, but just to, you know, sit and talk. Um, it's, I hate to say this because I know Sean says it all the time. It really does feel like you're going to cheers. You know, you walk in there, everybody knows your name. <laughs> um, everybody's always friendly and it's quite easy for a quick, um, honey, I'm just going to run to the store and pick up my books to, yeah, okay, it's three hours later. Sorry, I was just, you know, sitting and talking around. Gotcha. No, well said. That is definitely the sense that I've gotten from Fat Moose. And it's, as I've said many times before, rem very reminiscent of my own old comic shop, Alternate Realities. In fact, Phil, I might be mistaken, so forgive me, but were, were, you, the, were you the Moose customer who said to Sean that, you should make a drinking game out of every time I mention alternate realities on this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when Sean first introduced, uh, I, I want to say me, but I think really the fat news community to your podcast. I remember I was listening to a couple episodes and I think this is even before I saw your film. And I said, geez, this guy talks about his old shop a lot. Like I, I was telling Sean one day, I was like, it, it's almost like he's talking about it like an old girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, it's my comic shop history. Of course I'm going to talk about my comic shop. <laughs> well, I get it now. <laughs> of course, you know, I think, not I think, one of the main reasons why I do talk about it so much is the fact that it, it closed, it went away. And, you know, you guys came very close to experiencing that. And I'm so happy that it went in a different direction. And we'll talk about all of that. But oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I want to I want to uh, jump to to Gene now and get a little bit of a sense of your history with Moose. But even before that, you know, and I didn't even ask you guys this uh, beforehand. But Gene, how well do you know Phil? I've, I've uh, unfortunately not really well. Phil and I have met a few times, and we're friends on Facebook, but we don't 
our paths don't cross as often as I would like in the shop. I am like a Wednesday night guy. So Phil is usually in earlier, but so I'm, I'm part of Sean's crew that shows up after work on Wednesday. And then Sean pulls out the bottle of wild Turkey and everybody has a shot. Sometimes people bring food like last week on Wednesday, this week, actually, I'm sorry. On Wednesday, one of the guys, Zach's who comes in, brought in a big box of Taco Bell tacos. So it was like bourbon and tacos while we're talking about comics and movies and geek stuff. And it's such a unique place, you know, and it, it really does. When I've seen your documentary and listened to you talk about AR, it's the same sort of thing. It's a community. It's not just a shop. There are stores in New Jersey I've been to where you walk in, they kind of look at you. Hey, how you doing? Let me know you want something. They're too busy doing their own thing. They almost don't even care you're in there unless you're spending money. Fat Moose is not like that. If you walk in and hang out for an hour, walk out without buying anything, Sean's, and you're a customer, Sean's not going to be upset about that. He knows you'll be back because it's, you know, we're the herd. We are literally the Fat Moose herd. So. I want to come back to to the name, the herd, and, and of course, talk about your, your tenure as, as part of that herd, Gene, but for either or both of you, you since you since you mentioned this, uh, you know, uh, enjoying a cocktail at the shop, I see around the holiday time in particular, I see this this parade of photos that Sean posts of of all the liquor that his customers gift him. And I just wonder sometimes, now, of course, that's a lovely thing. And it's it's so nice that people show their appreciation. And, and that's beautiful. But at the same time, like, whether you guys give him those gifts or not, but you see that he's getting them. Do you ever have any, any worry that it's like, Oh man, this guy, he's got to, he deals with a lot of numbers, you know, entering stuff in the system. He's pulling books for us. Is there any risk that like this could be counterproductive to, to the end result that you want in the shop? I have to tell you, my worry was not so much the numbers. It's like, I know he's running crazy schedules. I've seen, I've been there and he's downing, like Red Bulls, like it's water. Like that's more my concern is, okay, well, I want to make sure that you're okay, that you're, you're healthy. But I'll say this, like I tried to give Sean a coffee machine once and he was like, no, no, I'm good with the Red Bull. It's like, you know, that stuff's really bad for us. I'm good. I'm good. So I shy away personally from the, from the alcohol and, and whatnot, but uh, it doesn't matter. He's, he's got a supply coming. Yes, very, very true. So, Gene, let me let me toss it back to you and your history with Fat Moose. So, where, uh, at, you know, at what point do you first encounter Fat Moose comics? Nineteen eighty four. I was um, I was in the Navy. I was stationed in uh, New London, Connecticut. I was on a submarine. I didn't know what I wanted to do after I got out. I was always interested in art. Um, I was reading some comics and I was an ad for the Joe Kubert school. And my wife said, why don't you apply? I said, I'll never get in. He said, yeah, go ahead, try it. Drove to New Jersey on a leave weekend. Actually had an interview with Joe Kubert in his studio. And a few weeks later, got a letter saying, you are accepted to the Joe Kubert School for fall of 1984. 
moved to New Jersey, couldn't get the funding together and ended up working. And I was looking for a comic shop because in Connecticut, there was a bookstore that also sold comics, but they were one of those dreaded stores that bagged and taped all their new books shot. So you couldn't really browse. It's like, if you wanted to look at something, you had to take it up to the counter and they had to open it for you. So I actually saw, if I remember right, I saw a newspaper ad for Fabulous Comics and they were in what was called the old Morris County Mall. I went there, met Moose. He was very nice. I opened a reserve box. Um, then he opened a second store and had a kid working in there that really wasn't doing anything but eating ice cream from Carvel across the street and reading comics. So he asked me to run the store. So I actually quit my job, which I disliked intensely at the time, and um, worked for Moose for a while. We had a bit of a contentious relationship, I have to say. Um, Moose sold the store um, at one point, and I went along to the new owner. It was there in eight years total, which was awesome. Best job I ever had. I have to say it was amazing. Uh, it was like my dream job working in a comic shop and I was actually not just working there. I was managing the comic shop and I had never had a retail background before. So it was great. Um, but after I left there, then I, you know, shopped at different stores over the years. Some closed, some I just decided, eh, you know what, maybe I could do a better store and ended up back at Moose when Scott Hughes had bought the store and uh, loved the atmosphere, loved the vibe there. Sean was working there. Such a nice guy. He, um, you know, took care of my books in a very conscientious way. And, uh, you know, then when Scott sold it to Matt, and then, of course, now Sean owning it, I, I have no plans on going anywhere else. I mean, that that is like the store for me at this point. So, that's but, yeah, it's been a long time in New Jersey with fat moose that's amazing well thank you for laying that out i have a few follow-ups but i mean first and foremost 1984 that's two years into fat moose i mean you i i, I can't imagine there's is, are there any customers that you're aware of who have an even longer tenure than yourself i don't know i'm not sure i i, I haven't run into any that have been there that long yeah, that's amazing. I mean, just and we'll, you know, we'll talk about the changes that you've seen over all these years. But, you know, that's again, that's one of the main reasons I, you know, I wanted to have you here because you, know, you have this incredible perspective. Just a real quick side note. We're talking about bagging and boarding the new comics. I know I mentioned this on another episode probably years ago, but the I think the only time where I've encountered that was when my wife and I were in Hawaii for our honeymoon. And we went to a few comic shops on, uh, on the island we were staying on. And I remember it might have been the first one. They, and they had everything bagged and boarded. And I remember saying like, oh, I, you know, this is unusual to see. And, and the guy like wasn't the most pleasant and was sort of like, well, of like, of course we do that. It's something about the, you know, the, the, the salt in the air, you know, because they're so close to the ocean. I was like, all right. And then other shops that I went to didn't do that. So I, I don't know that that was so much of an automatic thing, but that's the only time I've encountered that. And yeah, like yourself, I'm kind of like, eh, this, I, I mean, I guess I get it to an extent, but I feel like it, it, it creates an unnecessary barrier, especially with the new books. I mean, I understand certainly, you know, your, if, if it's rare or your back issue bins, but uh, for, for new wall books, I feel like 
they should just be out there. Well, the, with that, the thing that bothers me about that, Anthony, is that when you go into a store, part of the joy is you're looking for maybe something new to read. You want to flip through something. You want to, I mean, I've been in Fat Moose at nights where Sean said, hey, check this book out over here, and I've got this new one over here. And you go, you pick up the book, flip it, put it back. If you had to walk up with 10 books to the, their counter and ask them to open each one, they're going to give you the stink eye, you know, because they're, oh, what's this guy doing? It, it discourages like the joy of what comics is all about, which is being able to discover new things and browse. And I don't get it. I don't get it. It's very impersonal to me. Yeah. That whole for, attitude. for sure. I, I, I would agree with that. And then just for, for, for my own uh, knowledge here. So the second, it was a second fat moose location that you were working at. And then when mm-hmm. Elon, when Elon sold that, was it no longer fat moose? Was it a different shop? It's still there. It's called Time Warp Comics in Cedar Grove. Gotcha. Although they're really, they're a comic shop at a game store, but I think they're, they're from what I have seen, their focus has kind of shifted. Maybe I think gaming's probably 60 comics, 40%. Now they do a lot of gaming. I mean, that was before the pandemic, you know, now you can't really have a lot of people come in and game like you used to but they still do have a very, very large part of the store dedicated to gaming. Gene, I'm jumping way ahead, but when it looked like Fat Moose might go away when Matt, the third owner, was done with it a couple of years ago, before Sean stepped in, I know everything happened very quickly, so maybe this wasn't even something that you even could consider, but did the thought, given your background uh, in Fat Moose retail, <laughs> did the thought ever cross your mind of of stepping in yourself, or is that not even something you would entertain at this point in your life? I, I think it's. I, I mean, my last the, the, I I left Time Warp in like ninety one, ninety two. So I just I I think I'd be too intimidated to jump into it at this point because I don't really know the market anymore. You know what I mean? It's a whole different ball game than it was back in the day. Yeah, fair enough. That diamond catalog is like a, and plus dealing with lunar and all wait, is that? A, I don't mean to interrupt. Now. Is that a is that a cat in the back? Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> let me let him in the. That's no, quite yes, all right. That's my cat. <laughs> we have a we have Come a special here. guest star. That's quite all right. This is Pippin. So he is my he is my cat, and he is probably the most people needy cat you would ever want to see. So, hello, Pippin. <laughs> well, Pippin. Say hi to Phil and Anthony. Oh, Pippin, you're welcome to to sit in on this recording session. <laughs> oh. He says, as long as I'm in the room, I'm fine. Yes. So, well, Phil, let's jump back to you. So, you know, I know you talked a little bit about finding fat moose, but I wanted to circle back because, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think you said, you know, when you first encountered fat moose, it wasn't necessarily an automatic that this is going to be my store. Could you uh, elaborate on like, what, what was that first impression and why weren't you like totally sold initially? Uh, I had been into fat moose. I remember when I was younger, once at the Morris County mall and then once by the uh, firehouse. And uh, I had taken a break from comics when I was in college, like so many people. Uh, I was just kind of kept my ear to the ground just to kind of see what was going on, that kind of stuff. And I, uh, and I remember I heard about uh, 
Wolverine's origin finally being told. Wolverine's my favorite character. And I was like, all right, this is something I want to check out. Um, all the comic places I knew of, long gone. So I, I happened to be, I think I was even just looking around on the internet. I don't remember how. Maybe it was just even just driving on Route 10 and I saw the sign for Fat Moose Comics. I remember walking into the store at the old Pine Plaza. Um, at first, it, you know, Elon was there. He was nice, but it wasn't that whole personal touch. You know, we didn't know each other. He, he could, uh, to be honest with you, at the time, if I remember correctly, I had graduated from school, but it wasn't working. So it was probably like one of those deals where I got up in the middle of the afternoon, probably looked homeless, <laughs> just like walk in. And maybe he thought it was shoplifting or something. But I walk in, look a couple of books, like, do you have this origin book of skull? It's not out for a couple of weeks. Like, okay, walked out and left. I probably came back a couple of weeks later to pick it up. And um, I remember him saying it got delayed. And to me, I, to be honest, I think I was a little bit of a dick to Elon because I just didn't understand. What do you mean books being delayed? I've never heard of this. This is an image. And, uh, and we kind of had a little moment. But uh, I came back and I wound up going back into Origin and then slowly going back into X-Men. And just over time coming in there, we kind of just sort of formed a bond, I guess you could say. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. There's so many factors I think there's a lot that contributes to the overall atmosphere of a store, but I, obviously, you know, most of it's stemming from the person behind the counter, whether it's the owner or a staff person or a combination. I think that really sort of sets the tone for the store generally. But at the same time, uh, you know, so many factors is the alchemy of, of the, you know, that, you know, the circumstances that can lead you to really falling in love with a store or not. You know, or being put off, you know, by a store. Your mood at a certain point in time, the mood of the person behind the counter, like who else is there? What happens to be going on? So I'm glad that, you know, that, that it worked out and that it became your your shop. You know, this question, I could very well have left this for the end, but I, I wanted to ask it early on because it's it's important and I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like rush through it in the in the final minutes here. When I think of take a shot, alternate realities, the I think the things that I I think back to most are you know breaking down those those new comic shipments on Wednesday mornings back when it was Wednesday, <laughs> but breaking down those shipments and being behind the counter you know throughout the day on Wednesday, hanging out at the store on the Saturday and going out to dinner with the guys like those are those are the things that are most in my brain. Although I'll also say there were plenty of really quiet days that I would work at the shop as well. The, the Sundays and the Mondays where there wasn't a ton going on. Uh, and, and that was its own experience as well. But, you know, when I think when I think of the store, those are the things I think of most. So that's what I would love to pose to you guys. And, and Phil, I'll, I'll stay with you and I'll, I'll toss it to you first. You know, when you think of Fat Moose, you know, what are the either specific, you know, memories or experiences or just the feelings that, that come to mind most for you? Um, for me, the very first thing I think of are the people, Sean, Justin, Elon. Uh, yeah, Elon's been gone now for I don't know how long at this point, but to me, it's still very much his imprint is still pretty much on that store. And um it was just when I finally started coming around and Elon and I started sitting and talking for hours about 
really anything but comics, just anything that was going on in our lives. And we both had a lot going on at one point or another. Um, we just kind of bounced off each other just so well. And then I was happy when that continued with, with Sean. So for me now, when I go to Fat Moose, it's not so much I'm going to buy comics. It's, oh yeah, I'm going to get my comics, but I'm going to go see my friend Sean or I'm going to go see my friend Justin. I, to be honest with you, I, I told Justin this. I told Sean this rather. Uh, during this pandemic, I have only physically been in grocery stores, doctor's offices, and fat moose. That's it. And that's a testament to not so much I need my comics, but look, I, I need some connection with my friends. Well said. And how about you, Gene? Oh, God. Um, let me tell you, Fat Moose Comic is not a comic shop. It's a clubhouse. It is like when I get out of work Wednesday and head over there, it, it's it's literally like like walking into Cheers. It's like, hey, Gene, how's it going? You know, Sean's there, Justin's there. We yes, I get comics, but we talk about, hey, did you see Boba Fett yet? Um, did you see? you know, whatever the new Disney plus series is. Um, we talk about movies. We talk about girlfriends and wives. We talk about it's, it is literally like, like having the best place to hang out for everything geek related and even things not even tangentially geek related. It, it really is like a big group of friends that all love to hang out and, and just have a great experience on a Wednesday. And, you know, even when I go in on, if I go in on a different day, there's always somebody there hanging out in the store. Um, Sean's showing us the new things he's done. Um, you have, I, I don't think you've been there anytime recently, Anthony, right? He's, um, Sean put up black light posters in the stairway leading up to the store and black lights. Um, they, they came out with this giant reissue poster book of the old black light posters from the seventies. And when you open a door to the store, it's like walking into the back of a Spencer gifts in the 1980s, like all these black light Marvel posters. It's amazing. He's got black light, like tape up the hallway. Um, and he's so proud of that. And it's like, come here, come here, see what I did. You know, it's, it's, he's so enthusiastic about everything. And it's contagious. You know, it's not just he's excited for the store. He gets you excited for the store. He gets the people coming in excited for the store. It's it's a vibe I don't think I've ever come across at any other place I've shopped. It really is. Well said. All right, let's take a really quick commercial break, and then we will continue our conversation. We'll be right back. What do you call when you're in trouble? Alien invasion? Call Superman. Bank being robbed? Call Spider-Man. But who can you count on if you want to learn how to make a window bag? Filtastic Comics and Art is here to help. Whether it's fighting FOMO, talking about art, or baking wheat cakes, you can count on Filtastic for your comic and art-related infotainment needs. The best part? You don't even need a bat signal. Just look up Filtastic Comics and Art on YouTube. Subscribe today to keep up on everything Filtastic. If you're a fellow father out there, or if you're just interested in hearing a fun conversation, check out Shadadigans, a weekly podcast by dads sharing their dad experiences. Listen, relate, and laugh. 
One of the hosts has been a guest of this show, Justin DeVoe. In recent years, Justin has embarked on a truly remarkable fitness journey, which you can see for yourself on Instagram at Real Life Lobo. And if you're looking for guidance on your own fitness journey, check out at Iron and Honor. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out these festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Event details and submission info can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the fests on social media for updates on discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On to Your Shorts and Cullen on Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Established in 83, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They are ready and excited to assist you in navigating the wide world of comics. In addition to weekly new releases, graphic novels, and merchandise, they pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available. All offerings are available to anyone, anywhere, via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay. Listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. It helps support the show too. Thanks. And we're back. So, you know, a couple of things that, or actually one thing that both of you said that really, really resonated with me is this idea that, you know, it's the talk isn't always about comics. And that's very much what my experience, I had the same type of experience at Take a Shot AR where, by the way, please don't anyone actually play this game. I mean, unless you're, you know, if you're at home, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you don't have anything really to do. It's like, don't worry about it. And, you know, knock yourself out. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, if you're listening at work before you hit the road, maybe not. But, <laughs> you know, it was it was the same sort of thing at at alternate realities where, you know, especially those Saturday night dinners, you know, there would be some comic talk, but not much. You know, that was that was really uh, secondary. And, you know, I think, of course, of Rich Roney, the beloved elder statesman of of our community, and I have these weekly uh, phone calls with him. Like every Sunday afternoon, he calls and we chat for about an hour, and I treasure those. There, I, I love chatting with him, and there again, some comic talk. But what, what I, <laughs> it's really funny. We always had this running joke at the store that that Rich didn't really like comics that it was a cover we had this whole elaborate backstory we came up with because he's kind of a mysterious figure and we don't know a ton about him and he lives alone and he travels a lot for work we, we had this this very elaborate backstory about him being a, a an assassin or a secret agent or something and the and that the idea was that comics were his cover story and he didn't really like much of this stuff and i have to tell you in all these sunday phone calls i i'm starting to think there might be something to that because every time we when the subject comes to comics <laughs> His, uh, I don't know that there are many comic storylines and runs that he's read all of. It's very piecemeal. It's always like he's read a, a few pages here or an issue there. Uh, so I don't know. And anything could happen. But I bring up Rich Roney, Gene, because, you know, looking at the parallels between the two stores, it, it feels to me like you occupy a similar space. And I know Rich has been to the store. Have you ever actually met him? Yes. Yes. I consider myself to be the Rich Roney of Earth, too. <laughs> that 
you know, I'm, I'm Rich Roney, but across a parallel dimension. So I look different and I have a different name. Kind of like Cal Al with a, just an L instead of an E-L. So that's so gracious that you, you assign yourself earth two. If you had said that you were earth one and he was earth two, I would be like, that's, that's perfectly fine. No, Rich Roney is definitely the prime Rich Roney. So you've met and the universe didn't implode. You were both able no. to, to be in the same uh, time and space. I, I don't know, you know how involved of a conversation you had, but did you find that you, you had stuff in common? Did you talk about comics at all? We just, we chatted a little bit in the store. He had, he would come in to visit and there was a lot going on and I got to have a, a short conversation with Rich. Very nice guy. Very nice guy. I would love to hang out with him sometime and get the opportunity to really have an in-depth conversation with him. But unfortunately, I really didn't get long enough to chat with him to really get the whole experience. But I was very, I was very excited to meet him because it's like, after seeing all your documentaries, it's like, oh my God, this is Rich Roney. You know, he's, he's, he's from AR. He's a celebrity. <laughs> That's awesome. If you'll indulge me for a little lightning round here, I know this is silly, but I'm just curious as to how much of a counterpart you really are to Rich Roney. And I wonder sure. if, if you're going to have similar, you know, similar responses or the polar opposite. I don't know. So I'll just throw a few, just a few quick things. Justice Society fan or no? Huge fan. Right. Huge fan. Check. Favorite character in the JSA? <sighs> Classic JSA is probably Alan Scott. Two for two. Uh, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else? Uh, well, the fact that we're doing this on Zoom maybe answers my question, but uh, how are you with technology? Do, uh, do you utilize it? Do you have... What sort of television setup do you have? I know I'm getting nosy. Uh, I hope you don't mind. No, we have like a Samsung, like 55 inch, like, you know, widescreen TV downstairs. Um, you know, we've put the sound through a stereo for movies. And I mean, I'm very comfortable with technology. I'm not a, I, I've, you know, I mean, I obviously, I have a, a decent cell phone and know how to use it and use Zoom and, I mean, I work for um, ADP, so you have to be comfortable with technology to use a lot of our client services tools and things. So it's almost a necessity. But gotcha. I've never felt uncomfortable with technology. Gotcha. And streaming services and things like that, you have you have those? Oh, God. Do you really? Okay. <laughs> Disney Plus, Hulu, HBO Max, Discovery Plus. Amazon Prime, cable. Did I miss anything? Um, YouTube. Watch stuff on YouTube. Um, I, I I am a streamaholic. All right. Oh, so Netflix. Netflix. How can I forget Netflix? In the middle of watching third season of Lost in Space on Netflix right now. Um, just uh, which I know came out a while ago at Christmas, but I'm just catching up now. So um, I, I, I am addicted to the Marvel shows on Disney Plus um, and the Star Wars shows on Disney Plus. Um, I, I'm, I'm, let me tell you something, Anthony. Back years ago in the 70s, David Gerald, the sci-fi writer, wrote a book called The World of Star Trek. And in it, he talks about two different philosophies. 
which is geekdom is a way of life and geekdom is just a hobby. I have always been geekdom as a way of life. I am like probably one of the geekiest people you'll ever meet. No, right on. My interests are a hundred percent like no, it's Maybe a little crazy. But. No, it's very, listen, it's, it's all passion. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, like it could be unhealthy in certain instances if, if taken, if anything taken to an extreme, but I think generally speaking, it's a very healthy outlet uh, for someone to have, but all right. So that's where you and Rich really diverge uh, severely because <laughs> Rich is still watching and we, and we've done that. We've busted his shops on the show. So this is, I'm not uh, telling tales out of school or anything like that, but he famously I, I I don't care that I've told the story before. It's so it's so baffling to me. He still <laughs> watches TV on this like twenty inch rabbit ear television that he got oh in the early nineties as a gift from a car rental service because, like I said, he traveled so much for work. He rented so many cars that this car rental service gave him a television. I don't know if it was a promotional thing or. The person who ran it was just like, thank you for all this business. Here's a TV. I don't know, but that's still what he watches. And he he inherited from his mother when she passed, sadly, but he inherited a flat screen television from her. And a bunch of us got him a Blu-ray player. This was back when Blu-ray players were expensive. Now you can get them for like 40 or 50 bucks. But I remember we all like chipped in and we got him this Blu-ray player. And the flat screen TV and the Blu-ray player are just sitting unplugged. And he just watches the little rabbit ear television. And what's... And I'll get off this Rich Roney tangent, but it's just, it's just so, you know, you talk about passion and a way of life. It's so funny to me that he, in theory, loves all these characters and all of us are always telling him about all of these shows that are out there. <laughs> all of these superheroes, all the things that I'm sure as a kid, he would have, he couldn't have even imagined that this stuff would exist. And, you know, he reads articles about it and we talk about it, but he's never seen any of them. It's, it makes me a little sad. You know what the, do you think part of that could be um, kind of like how Alan Moore is like, I don't understand why people want to adapt my work just because how it's written and I guess how the reader, how you, how you think about something when you read it, it's one way in your head and then it's quite another thing to see it up on the screen. I, no, because he, he, like he does see a lot of the movies and he has watched, he'll watch the shows that are on broadcast television so it's it's not this philosophical objection, but in any event, when when Rich Roney eventually returns to the podcast, uh, we'll we'll unpack that one one final time in our final round of episodes. But Phil, <laughs> I wanted to ask you. Obviously, we've been talking about uh, Sean Hendricks, who who we love, a pal of ours, and you know, but I mean, both of you. This could apply to both of you, but specifically for you, Phil. You know, you've known Sean before he owned the store, and you've known him since. What? What changes have you seen over these past couple of years since he took over the store right before the pandemic? With the store or with, with Sean? Sean, like Sean himself. I'm curious what, well, if any, changes you've observed. I'll be honest with you. I really didn't know Sean all that well until, um, really until Scott took over, maybe towards the end of Scott's tenure, only because I, I think Sean was working just different shifts. Um but I remembered, in fact, I don't really think I remember Sean until Matt bought the store. And for me at that point, it was like, oh, wow, this guy's like really energetic and eccentric. Uh, that was my first impression of Sean. And then I slowly remember kind of like what Gene said, that when you're around Sean, 
he just gets so excited about comics and about anything to do with the things that we love so much. It makes you excited. And at the time that depending on who you were seeing when you went to the store, you don't know, you don't always get that feeling. And I think that that's kind of an important thing, whatever you're, you're selling, you know, you need your customers or your, your customer base to feel good about what they're buying. And when you're talking to somebody who gets you so excited about, you know, this expensive paper, <laughs> that's pretty much what comics are. It makes you feel good about it. So then, um, Fast forward a bit, when Sean takes over, I remember it was right around Christmas and we get that call. And uh, I, I don't know if you want me to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but at that point, I was actually almost out of comics. Um, it was just, uh, you know, kind of adulting and like, you know, I'm going to the store. And I, I at this point, I was trying to go just when Sean was working. <laughs> to be honest with you, just to get that great kind of conversation or great feeling like, oh, here's somebody I can talk to comics about. But um, the vibe when Sean wasn't there, just it didn't feel great. And that's nothing against anybody. It just was like, okay, I'm, I'm here. It was a transaction at that point. And I remember having one conversation and just walking out and was like, you know, I don't know why I'm buying this anymore. I actually sat down. I had a long talk with my wife and I was like, you know, maybe it's time I just kind of stopped collecting. Well, you don't have to, but, you know, maybe you should think about it more. And then really less than a week later, Sean reached out to me. He's like, um, just so you know, I'm now the owner of the store. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And it was almost like a, like a sense of urgency. Like, okay, I can't leave now. I have to go back. And just when Sean took over, I think it was more of a feeling like all the stars aligned. Like this is something that should be, you know, Michael Jordan plays basketball. Uh, A-Rod or whatever plays baseball. Sean Hendricks sells comics. And so Sean Hendricks is Fat Moose, the once in future Moose. And from that point on, it was just kind of, I, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like you're seeing your brother there, like running things. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'm proud of him. And you see him jumping leaps and bounds. Um, you know, you see him kind of learning to balance that home and work life. You know, um, you, when he has struggles, cause look, it's business. Any business has struggles you feel for him and you're like, okay, what can I do to help? And, uh, and really without sounding too cliche, I couldn't be prouder. No, that's a, a beautiful sentiment. And, you know, one I echo, even though, you know, I haven't really been able to see it in person, but through my conversations with him and seeing all the posts and everything and the, the fat moose Facebook group and, and all that stuff, it's, uh, you know, when, you know, when I knew that Sean was taking over the store and, and even before, the, the pandemic, but even when, even when the pandemic hit, I was still optimistic for him for a couple of reasons. I mean, he has the enthusiasm, he has the passion, he has the, the, the history and the experience at the store. It wasn't like he was coming into this cold. It wasn't as if he was trying to open a store. So, you know, I knew that that would serve him well. And then the, the other major piece, bringing it back to the topic of our episode here is the herd. 
is the fact who's hurt is the fact that he has this loyal customer base. And as much as, you know, you obviously always want to have growth and, you know, I know I had asked, we had spoken, you know, pre-pandemic about, you know, maybe having a convention presence and, you know, and, and this and that. But at the end of the day, to have those you know, Wednesday regulars or whichever day of the week, you know, you happen to come in, you know, that that can go a long way. So that was, I think, the, you know, one of the main, main advantages. And I'm, I'm so happy to see that, you know, he was able to weather the, the past couple of years and, and usher the store into this 40th anniversary celebration. And... Phil, you, you know, you talked about this expensive paper. Uh, I know you did a, one of your YouTube videos not too long ago where you talked about scaling back, cutting down your pull list. But you were you made a point to say, hey, listen, but I'm not I'm not abandoning my LCS. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's you know, that's one of those things where I don't know that that happens in too many other types of of retail uh, establishments where the where the customers are that you know, attuned to the needs of the business and sensitive to the owner. Uh, I mean, like how much, how much of a role does that play in your calculus when you're saying, all right, I'm going to start trimming some titles. I mean, it's difficult to say because there's not, there's not like a budget, like I need to put in this much at Fat Moose, but um, like even right now, I haven't been there in a while. I have my pull list and I just, I'll call Sean like, Hey, look, I know I haven't been in yet. I'm not sure what I'm going to get in. Can I pay you now at least? I I want to make sure that I'm not screwing them over. You know, we've, we've all seen that, um, that post of, I think you spoke to the store, if I'm not mistaken, that had the stack of pulls that just went uncollected. And I was like, no, I'm not going to leave anybody in that, uh, in that kind of instance. But, um, you know, a, a lot of it too is not only just budgeting, it's it's space. You know, when I started collecting, you know, it was easy to say, okay, well, I'm going to go and get Wolverine, X-Men and Uncanny X-Men, and I'm good for the month. Now it's like, okay, well, here's the X-Men titles have grown from three titles to five titles to 10 titles, give or take it any time. And um, it, it comes to a point where you're like, okay, so what can I put my attention towards? Not not just money, but just your time and your space. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I can support my LCS. I can buy independent books. I can buy image books. I don't necessarily have to go all in. Because at the bottom line, if you go all in with anything, and you're bankrupting yourself. Not that I'm doing that in case my wife listens, of course. She knows I spend with my means. But if you're blowing all your money to the point where you can't afford anything, you're not helping anybody at that point. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Gene, uh, I, I want to ask you this, this big picture question about the, the, the overall arc of Fat Moose because you've seen it under Elon, under Scott, under Matt, and under Sean. And like we said, so much of the feel of a shop stems from, from the owner, the person behind the counter, you know, most of the time. So I know this is kind of a big question and, you know, feel free to be as, you know, general or specific as you like, but I guess I'm just, I'm just curious over these years and, and under the different owners. And I know the, the, 
there have been different, you know, durations, certainly for each owner. I mean, obviously Elon owned it for the longest period of time. And then Scott was a couple of years, Matt was a few years. And now Sean only has a couple of years under his belt, but hopefully many, many more <laughs> to come. Uh, so I, again, I know we're not talking about equal lengths of time here, but, but over the time that you've been part of Fat Moose, how have you seen the shop either physically or in terms of the, the vibe, the atmosphere change as the owners have changed? I think, um, I mean, under Elon, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be, I had a bit of a contentious relationship with Elon, you know, working for him. And um, I mean, when I was a customer at his store, um, we were, we were cordial, but he wasn't especially like outgoing as far as, um, you know, like, like talking about comics with me or, or stuff like that he was um he liked to play backgammon with a lot of friends that would drop by the store and sometimes he'd be playing while i would be in there and you know focus more on that than on the on the store um but then scott was great but he was sort of became an absentee owner you know what i mean he had uh, he was very invested in his game store um, and Highlander, which, um, you know, his passion was really, he loved comics, but his passion was gaming. So a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff he was leaving to Matt and Sean to take care of. Um, but, I mean, I think Scott is a great guy. He's very friendly, very outgoing, um, very cordial. Um, it just, I didn't see a lot of him um, past a certain point. Um, when Matt owned the store, I like Matt. He could be a little bit of a curmudgeon um, at times. And um, I think he got in over his head because he had a lot of ideas and things about what was going to happen to this with the store. And they really didn't come to fruition. He kind of got buried in the day-to-day -day, and that's why he was going to close the store um sean literally has been a breath of fresh air it, it just his passion and dedication and it's so funny because i mean i know you guys know he never wanted to run a comic store he wanted to work in a comic store part-time because his he's very passionate about his music and, um, you know, he delivered pizza for years and years because that was a nice job he could do part time while trying to focus on his musical career. So now he actually has a full time job, but he is making the absolute best of it. And um, I think out of all the owners, I know Elon had a long run. He kept the store going for a long time. I just hope that Sean can maintain this passion and enthusiasm because truthfully it gets i think it gets everybody fired up and to me this is really like the new golden age of fat moose it really is it that, that's you know it sounds that way that's certainly the sense that that i get and 
you know, I <laughs> maybe concern is too strong a word, but I, I mean, I, I get what you guys are saying, and I, I too, you know, hope that Sean is able to maintain this and not get beaten down by the grind of doing this because. I mean, you know, look, you've seen it with prior owners at your store. I saw it at mine. That's why, take a shot, that's why alternate realities closed at the end of the day, right? It wasn't that, you know, Steve couldn't pay his rent or, or, you know, something like that. He just had enough. You know, he was frustrated and he was fed up and he didn't have any more enthusiasm for the material and and, or for the running of the business. So, uh, but again, I think... You know, Sean's in such a great place and, and you know, to, to have this community around him, I know that will, you know, that will go a, a long way. Now, Gene, I know you've mentioned a couple of times now this contentious relationship with Elon. And if you want to leave it there, that's totally fine. But is there, if, if you're willing to elaborate, was is there anything that you can sort of, I guess my main question is, if you want to even answer it, was it more of a, a personal thing in terms of not necessarily like personalities not gelling or was it different approaches to running the store? I guess that's kind of what I'm most curious about. Um, there, were, there were some odd things that happened that kind of like there was a, a point where Moose Elon bought a very large collection with a lot of prime stuff in it. And he wanted to, he kept telling me he wanted the second store to succeed. He wanted the second store to do well. And I came into his store because I would go into his store at least once or twice a week, drop off money, talk to him about stuff. And he had bought this huge collection. And I said, oh, wow, this stuff is great. And I'm picking through this stuff. And I said, Moose, can I take this? I, I'd like to take this. We don't have any of these. And he goes, no, no, this is for my customers. And I said, but. Moose, my customers are your customers. No, no, this stuff's not going in that store. This stuff is staying in my store. So how do you kind of reconcile that? You know what I mean? Um, He was very... The The day the new books come out, I'd sell out a Batman, say, like an hour after store open. Uh, Moose, I need to order more Batman. No, don't order more Batman. But I sold out and people were asking for it. That's okay. You sold what we ordered. That's fine. That's not a way that I felt I could grow that business. So things like that happened over the years. And also at one point, he would call me up during the day. And we didn't have a register that told stuff. I had a write-out sheet. And he would literally scream at me if I didn't know to the penny where we were at that point during the day when he called. So that kind of soured our personal relationship. Um, I mean, I still loved the job. I loved the store. I did the best I could at the store. Um, The fact that the store is still there obviously means that we had some level of success, Um, you know, with a new owner, Dave, who came in. But, um, you know, I don't have, at this point, I don't have anything against Moose. I mean, I can't get in his head and know what he was thinking. I don't know if there was a level of frustration with how the store was doing at the time or it's very hard to say. So, but I'm just saying it, I I wish we had gotten along a bit better because I think it would have made the store better earlier. Sure. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And that, I, I think that does kind of, that really actually does give me a very good sense of, 
of what the dynamic was like and maybe where some of that contention came from. And look, you guys in the audience, you heard this in the, especially in the first season of this podcast, you know, <laughs> there were certain frustrations that a number of us had with some of the ways in which Steve ran the store. I mean, thankfully on a personal level, we always always got along. I mean, I think that's, well, not, not everybody all the time, but speaking for myself at least, you know, we, we got along and I, I think people generally did get along with, with Steve, even if sometimes we disagreed. And, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of funny to me in that first season of this podcast where I, there was an episode where I had one of our customers on and, you know, what I said to him was, you know, for, for a lot of us working at the store and those of us in the inner circle here, it frustrates us that the store is so cluttered that Steve will buy collections and not want to put them out. He, you know, he wants to just hold on to them because he likes having them. And we're saying, but you know, you could, you could move these, you can sell them, things like that. Uh, and, and we said, or even, um, even beyond that, even not, even things that were out for sale, but just sort of the state of disarray that the store was often in, especially towards the end. And I see, you know, it kind of bugs us that there's all this clutter, you know, does it bother you? And his response was no, like it didn't, like it wasn't something that he minded. Now look, that's a very small sample size. Maybe there were others who, who walked in and they were like, oh, the store's a mess and left. I, look, I don't know. But I guess I bring it up because, yeah, there are things that, you know, maybe sometimes we, you know, we feel so strongly about, especially as really a, a, an integral part of that community. But you know, I don't know, to, to the, the, the casual customer or to the person passing by, maybe not. But uh, in, in any event, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And Kind of building off what I was saying, Phil, I'll, I'll toss this to you. I know, you know, Sean, you know, did the did the Blacklight and I know he's been, uh, you know, he's got the new releases written, uh, you know, uh, on, on the board when they come in every week. Like, I know he's been doing a lot of stuff. Is there anything that, and this is not, it's, it's not like, oh, critique what he's doing. It's not even that. But are there other things that you, maybe you've talked to him about or that you just kind of hope he might implement in the future? Is there anything for you personally? Like, oh, I would love to see Sean do this. You know, at one point, I think when he first started, I was one of those people who, who would come in and say, oh, you know what you should really do now? You know what you should really do now? And I think part of it was that, you know, oh, this is the guy behind the counter that I'm friends with. Like, it's almost like you felt you own the store, but without any skin in the game, which clearly is not the case. And then at a certain point, you have to kind of let off the gas and like, look, he knows what he's doing. I trust his judgment. You don't know the pluses and minuses behind the scene. I mean, one thing that sticks out to me, if anything, just from the little bit I know about running a comic book store, which is just what I've seen Elon, Scott, Matt, and now Sean go through, is that it's a business that I feel like at least the people who should be supporting you the most, the publishers mainly, are just not there. Or if they're there, it's it's half-assed at the very least so i'm i don't have any official suggestions for sean or anything like that it's just do whatever you want to do go for it and don't get sued yes <laughs> that's always good advice uh, so uh, gene this this fat moose herd business obviously the term flows naturally from the name of the store moose but do you remember when herd was first used to refer to this community at the store? Uh, I think that's a fairly recent thing, really. I think we kind of started that when when Sean, because um, I remember when Sean was, was buying the store, he wanted to set up a sort of, and then the pandemic, he, he wanted to set up a, a Facebook 
group to sort of keep people updated and aware. And I, I think I may have suggested that. I, um, you know, it, it just, you're right. It just sort of flows, the fat moose herd. So, um, and that was just originally the name of the Facebook page that Sean's communicating to regulars with um, during the pandemic. Some of the guys, the, the real regulars, you know, but um, it's kind of taken on its own life now. And it's kind of gotten to be like the inner circle of people that are regulars that come in that Sean has a more than just a, say, you know, taking your money and here's your books for the week relationship with. Yeah, I love it. I, I think it, it works so well and it really furthers that notion that you were talking about of the shop being a clubhouse. Now there's really a name we can put to it. I wish, I wish that at my old store, we had had that. We never did. We, it's, it's funny. We would go out to dinner on Saturday nights as we've discussed many times. And, and the most frequent restaurant that we went to uh, was Mickey Spillane's in, in East Chester, New York. And we, we found this out way later, but they had a nickname for us. They <laughs> called us the league of extraordinary gentlemen, which Wow. You know, before we That's knew awesome. what, before we, when the, I, I can't remember, I think it was one of the guys who worked there one day was just like, you know, we have a nickname for you. And, you know, there's that moment of dread where it's like, oh God, <laughs> what's it going to be? Because <laughs> look, as we've discussed on the show, like we had, we had plenty of nicknames for customers at the store. You know, some of them knew, a lot of them didn't. And a lot of them was good that they didn't know. So it was one of those things that's like, oh God, what is this going to be? But League of Extraordinary Extraordinary Gentlemen was uh, was a solid one, but that was not one we uh, uh, that that really stuck. That was just how they called us at, at the restaurant. Uh, other than that, though, we would just sort of I guess the category we came up with was friends of the store, and that encompassed I mean certainly the you know the the owners, but the staff and the customers who would go out to dinner. That was sort of what, when we would say a friend of the store, or in my first documentary, some of the people are credited on screen as friend of the store. That's essentially what that meant. It was that blend of owner, staff, customer who, you know, customer plus, right? It wasn't just someone who came in on Wednesday, but we sort of had this this next level. And kind of on that note, I wanted to, to ask you guys, and Gene, I'll, I'll start with you, uh, you know, have these friendships, like these, you know, these conversations and everything that you guys have at the shop, have they transitioned to outings, get togethers outside of the store? Not so much only because of everything that's been going on since, you know, the beginning of 2020. So, um, you know, we, we talk about possibly doing stuff, but with everything going on at this point, I, I think a lot of people probably don't feel comfortable with that. So I'm hoping at some point it, it will because, um, I, I mean, a couple of us has approached Sean about going out after like Wednesday night to get a bite or something. But the problem is that, you know, by that point, he's been there the whole day and, you know, he's been ringing up people and, and basically, you know, to use a showbiz term, he's been on all day, you know. So by eight o'clock when the store closes, I think he's ready to like count the money and go home and like put his feet up and read a couple books before he crashes. So, yeah, well, that's totally understandable. No, and I certainly understand over these past couple of years that it hadn't happened. I guess I was curious if it had in the past, but I, I, I guess not. But it's let me say this, and, and Gene, I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but just going back to my own experience, the catalyst for. I mean, I mean, I, most 
if not all of the of the gatherings on Saturday. And we did hours on Saturday, and maybe in part for the reason you just uh, articulated. Wednesdays are you know tough, <laughs> uh, are a tough day for the person who's been behind the counter to you know c- kind of keep it going. But the catalyst for those Saturday hangouts at the shop and subsequent dinners at the restaurant was Rich Roney. Rich Roney would come into town. He lives in New Jersey, about an hour and a half away from where the shop used to be. And the frequency varied over the years. There were stretches where he would come in every Saturday. But I would say on average, every other Saturday, you could kind of count on. And when Rich Roney would come in, everyone would gather. So the point is, Gene, since you are the Earth 2 Rich Roney, I think this is kind of on you. I think it needs to be a thing. I have to be the ringmaster. I think so. I really no well, pressure. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I I will I will take this responsibility on. Believe me. I think we might have to Shanghai Sean a little bit though. You know, like maybe maybe bring in a bag and some rope and like tie him up, <laughs> take him, let him out when we get to the restaurant, get him drinks with us. so he relaxes. <laughs> well, that was the other thing that I think allowed us to at least to have Steve participate was that. For the most part, Steve didn't work Saturdays. We had one of the other guys would come in, and it was usually not one of the the regular. You know, it was well the a number of staff people varied over the years, but for a long stretch, it was one of two guys who would be working on Saturday, and that was the only day that they worked. So, you know, even if they were tired after the day, like they still kind of had enough energy to you know to still join for dinner, and Steve would just come in for that. So, I don't know. That might, I think maybe not a Wednesday. I think it's got maybe a Friday or Saturday. And, uh, you know, ideally if it, if Sean gets to a point where he can, he can have Justin or someone kind of watch the store and he doesn't have to be there all day, eh, that would be a plus, but I think you can get around that. But I think, I think it is this idea of the, and it, it's funny, it wasn't even that Rich was the ringmaster. Cause it's not that, I don't think he ever even really, it wasn't like he said, Hey everyone, but like we knew it was just like, we knew he probably told Steve and Steve let everyone know over the course of the week. And it just kind of built, but I think that's what. I think that that's what this needs to really get to the next level here. I think what we need really need is for Sean to be able to get to the point where he's got somebody like that. Cause Justin comes in and helps him, but Sean really is there six days. So, you know, ex- you know, except for Monday when he's closed, he's there every other day. So I think his weeks are just long. I think, you know, yeah. I'm hope- but as the store builds, you know, I'm hoping he can get somebody else in there that can take some of the pressure off him because, you know, Sean always says, well, you know, what happens if I'm sick? Because there is no like real other full-time staff, but him. So. Yeah. And I just going back a lot of pressure. No, for sure. Um, and, and so just going back to this routine. So both of you are Wednesday guys. You just go at different times of the day, right? Like Phil, you're more in the afternoon. Is that? No, no. I, I usually go either week, just random times <laughs> at weeknights or like every other weekend. Um, I've been bad lately. I'm behind about a month now, just how busy we've been and whatnot. But, um, uh, I just make sure, like I said, to at least give a call and you know make sure at least I'm current and not leaving them in the wind there. And would would uh, an out of shop? I mean, pandemic aside, like let's assume once we're like really out of that. But um, would an out of out of shop outing be something that you would be interested in? And is there anything in particular that you would love to see the herd do? Uh, if there were no pandemic, yeah, I would love just to hang out with everybody, whether it be 
to uh, to go to a film. I know that uh, I think Scott had started that at one point. Like he would just get a, a box of tickets or whatever for whatever Marvel movie or DC movie that was coming out and just say, hey, whoever wants to come, let me know. Or, you know, even just, like you said, hanging out for a bite to eat. Yeah, no, right on. Uh, we didn't do a, you know, a ton of, uh, uh, we didn't really talk much before we sat down to record this. But one of the things that I, I did say, you know, if you want to give this some thought, I, I, I am planning to ask you this. So I don't know if either of you came up with anything. And if not, that's perfectly fine. Uh, but I was curious mm-hmm. for, for both of you, any anecdotes from your time at Moose that you would want to share? I'll toss it to Gene first. Was there anything that came to mind? Oh, anecdotes. That's a, I, I do remember you saying that. I don't really have any. I mean, it's just. I can't think of anything in particular. I mean, it's I'm I'm I know that Phil says he's he hasn't been there in a while. I am there every Wednesday night. I try and make it a point. I, I work at ADP, which is in Parsippany, which is, you know, very near Whippany. So. I leave work like around six o'clock, six thirty. Drive down the road. Fat Moose is ten minutes from there. Climb up the massive staircase and hang out there until Sean throws us out. At eight o'clock, he goes, "Guys, uh, it's it's closing time. It's closing time." Sometimes we coax him to stay a little longer, but you know he's had a long day by that point. But um, uh, just wanna. I don't know if there's, I can't really think of any particular anecdotes per se. And I apologize, Anthony. It's just. No, it's, it's quite all right. How about you, Phil? Did anything come to mind for you? Um, not really with anything under Sean. There were a couple stories that popped up, to be honest with you, just the little things. But it, uh, really, I think the best thing that you can, best story I could tell. And maybe this is just not only for the Fat Moose audience, but for if somebody owns a comic shop or works at a comic shop uh, or even just customers. When I was getting back into comics, I came to a point where I was reading the X-Men. I was reading the Avengers before they put out 15 of them and uh, dabbling a little bit into DC. And I think the, Thing, the problem what made me really click with Elon the most is I went up to him and I said, hey, look, I want to try something new. What can you recommend? And I, I didn't go with all his recommendations, but just not just saying, you know, this is my favorite book. Just because when, when you open up that dialogue, I think it opens up more to the story behind the book and why that's your, your favorite. And uh, and to a memory. And that's how you, I think, really kind of connect with somebody. And, uh, and I had that same conversation with Sean and sure enough, took Sean up on some of his recommendations, not all, but I really think that that's kind of something unique about Fat Moose or about any good comic book owner, uh, comic book store owners that you can connect uh, through these stories and whatnot. Uh, you know, the this art of the recommendation is something that, you know, I'll be perfectly honest, was not a huge thing at, at our store. It would it would happen, but it was, and I, this is a positive, I mean, it would really just happen organically. You know, we would be talking about something and, and maybe a customer would over here, or we would be talking with the customer and, and you know, share what, what we liked. But what I've seen now in my travels to all these other shops, including Moose, including 
Acme Comics in North Carolina with Lord Retail, there's really this conscious effort to engage in that type of conversation and to make recommendations, not to force them on people, but to really, you know, create a, a, a moment where that can happen, where you can have that, you know, make those recommendations. And it's awesome to see. And I think that's the way to, uh, look, it might be someone who's coming in for the first time and you might create a new comics reader, uh, or even if it's, you know, an existing customer, uh, I mean, yes, if you really want to be mercenary about it, it's like, Hey, you're selling them something else, but you know, it, 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 I, I think especially when you're recommending something to someone that's not in their wheelhouse, maybe, but the 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 owner or staff person, whoever it is, can make that connection point. Like, hey, you like this, so you, you would probably also like that. You know, it just broadens that person's perspective and opens up this whole other pocket to their reading and their fandom. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love that he does that, and I, I, I agree with you. I think that's one of the things for for a successful shop that can really make a difference. And tying this all back together, that's why I do hope that Sean maintains this this passion, right, for the business, but for the material. Because I think, and that's certainly, I think, what happened with Steve at a certain point. He wasn't reading anything anymore. So how could you make those recommendations? You know, you're basing it off I of have, sales or solicitation copy. I have to agree with you, Anthony, because here's the thing. I have shopped at stores where the guy doesn't read comics or he reads one or two comics. And it's like, so how's this? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I just stock it. I don't really read that book. Sean does. And there have been times where I've come in and Sean said, Hey, Gene, I read this last night. Got to check this out. It's really good. And he'll recommend a book because he, you know, he takes a pile of books home with him and sits and plows through the stuff he likes. And if he thinks I'd be interested, he'll point things out to me that I might not be getting. And I really appreciate that because a lot of stores don't do that. You know, there is a, there is a very, well-known comic shop in New Jersey that I will not mention, but if I walk in there, walk through the, the aisles, pick out a few comics, walk up to the shelves, no one there will engage me at all until I walk up to the counter. And it's like, Hey, how are you doing? Did you find what you're looking for? And that's about it. But actually having someone that reads the material, that's interested in the material that wants to actively say, and, and a lot of times with Sean, what I like is that I don't get the feeling he's doing it because he wants to sell a book. He's doing it because he really loves it. It's like, dude, did you read this? This is so cool. Yeah. And that's what I love about it because he's got the passion for the material. Like Immortal Hulk. I was not going to read Immortal Hulk at first. He started reading Immortal Hulk and said, gee, really, you got to check this out. And next thing I know, I said, okay, get me the issues I missed. And I would come in when the new issue came out, we would talk about it, get enthusiastic about it. it it's his, his passion gets your passion on. So, and every comic shop should have somebody like that. Somebody that really wants you to enjoy the material as much as they do. Not because they're trying to make a buck, which is ultimately the point of owning a business is to make money, but because you love what you're doing. No, I, I agree. I, I, again, even though I haven't seen a ton of it in person, but I, from what I have seen, I really do get the sense with Sean that there, it is so pure. Like he genuinely <laughs> thinks you would like this and, and wants to share it with you. And that, that is a very beautiful thing. Uh, I think that's awesome. And you know, this, this whole business about 
other types of shop experiences. Like I, you know, I've had a bunch now and it's seven years since my regular place has been gone. And so, you know, I've, I've been other places and, you know, sometimes for the podcast or documentary, but other times, cause I need to pick up something. And, you know, at this, especially at this point in my life, even the pandemic aside, it's like to go, I don't have a comic shop that's five minutes away from me. Uh, that's the distance that I used to have to go <laughs> where I used to live. And when my store was there, it was great. So, but now it's like, you know, the close, any, the closest shop for me would be an hour round trip almost. Uh, you know, you got to find parking, you know, I got to figure out childcare. It's like, there's, there's a lot that's involved in it. And so if you go to the store and you don't really get much more beyond the transaction, there are other ways to get this material. And in a lot of instances, and you know, you, you get it cheaper. So there has to be something, I think, that uh, that you know makes it worthwhile, makes it an experience that you really want to keep having. And obviously, that's what you guys have at, at your shop, and, and I think that's uh, that, that's awesome. I love to I love to see it. One thing I got to say, though, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Fat Moose Instagram page when uh, Sean is uh, is doing some, we'll say, voluntary editing. For uh, for the big two. For the big two. Wait, I, I didn't even know. I know there's a Fat Moose Instagram page, but I didn't know that he even had the password for it. Is it active? It, it's kind of, it, it kind of is, I guess you could say, but Sean usually puts the stuff up on Facebook too. Just, it makes me crack up when he's reading uh, an issue and they make like a spelling mistake or a grammar mistake or yes. an art mistake. And I, it, oh, I said to before, <laughs> I said to before, why don't you just start like tweeting the editors directly or something like that? I think you could get a second gig <laughs> as a as a voluntary editor, I guess, if you wanted to. I, I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up because I wasn't thinking about it, but it's so funny to me because he's such an easygoing guy. But that really bugs him. You're right. I, I wasn't following exactly what you were saying initially. But yes, when he picks up errors in comics, uh, yeah, I do see it prim primarily on Facebook when he'll we'll post photos of those. But yeah, it's hilarious, and he genuinely seems bugged by it. And I, you know, I don't blame him. I, I think, I think, not to speak for him, but I think his sense is like, look, there are people whose job it is to catch this stuff, <laughs> and it costs a lot of money for the customer and and so on. So you know, we got to be more careful about this stuff. So. Uh, you know, again, I think his points are valid, but yeah, it's so funny to see that. <laughs> That's one of Sean's two pet peeves is spelling grammatical mistakes in comics and people that park like idiots in his parking. Thank lot. you. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. When you, when you open, when you go to Facebook and, and there's a fat <laughs> moose post and it's some guy that's like parked like this and the lines go like this, Sean takes a picture of it and like, just it's so funny because it just infuriates him so much yes that is hilarious too it's always it's always surprising to me because I, I mean is it always the same sp is it the lot at the store or he just sees this all over the place it's north no, it's Jersey. a lot at the store because <laughs> remember there's the dry cleaner downstairs and then there's the deli near the dry cleaner so there's a lot of people that come into the parking lot that aren't fat moose customers and those are the ones usually that he's catching you know basically like just parking anywhere taking up spaces for his customers 
I told him he's got to start like going out to those cars and leaving a note or something and saying, hey, uh, clearly, if you think this is a good parking job, clearly you can suspend disbelief. Take this and I'll give you a free Batman comic or something. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, I know. I think between the editing catches and the parking, there's there's something we could have a viral moment social media wise. I really feel like there's, there's potential there. Well, we all just... have our triggers. <laughs> and I think those are two of big Sean's big triggers. So <laughs> I was going to say, even if he just yelled from the balcony, like the, um, like the French soldiers in Monty Python, just taunting people as they're parking. I, <laughs> throw that up on, I, I could easily see Sean doing that. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Parting words, gentlemen, uh, First of all, thank you so much for being part of this. The last question that I want to pose, and I'll pose it to to both of you. And, you know, if you don't necessarily have a specific answer for this, any any final words that you want to say are perfectly fine. But to give this a little structure, I, I guess what I'm curious about is, again, we're doing this in large part because the shop is celebrating 40 years, which for for any business is is pretty staggering, especially for a local comic shop. And one that's weathered, you know, numerous changes in ownership and a pandemic and all sorts of stuff. So I guess I'm just curious. I know obviously you have a lot of love for Shawnee, you have a lot of love for the shop and for comics. And so that's, that's amazing. To what extent is there a sense of pride in being part of a store with that longevity? And maybe the answer is I don't really think about it much and that's totally fine. But I guess to what extent does the store's long standing operation uh in in new jersey um i kind of mean anything to you i guess i'll toss it to to gene first i think it's very cool i i mean i i'm very pleased to shop there and and sean conveys that sense of pride you know what i mean because we we talk about it in the store sometimes about the fact that the store has been there forever and how he has like a responsibility. And that was a lot of why he wanted to own a store in the first place. Cause he couldn't see a store that had been there that long and had that tradition, like die from neglect. So he, he wanted to be the person that like kept that going. And, and it is, it is a, a point of, of great pride for him. And I think a lot of us who shop there have that pride, Anthony, because you know, there's, there, uh, I have seen so many stores come and go in New Jersey since I've lived here. I mean, I moved to New Jersey in 84 and I can on two hands just off the top of my head count the stores that were there and are gone now. And Fat Moose has endured and not just endured, it's thrived. So that's a hell of a lot to be proud of. Absolutely. How about you, Phil? I mean, really just, going right with what Gene said, for any business to be alive and well decades after they opened their doors for the first time, and then you add, especially in an industry that has changed so much, so many ups and downs, and, you know, really, again, uh, where you have your your partners, Marvel and DC, in my opinion, at least, not doing their part to really support you. I mean, to endure all of that plus this little pandemic we've been in, it's astonishing. Yeah, well said. 
Well, I want to thank you both so much for being a part of this installment of Oldest in New Jersey. I'm so glad that we could all connect. I'm glad you guys could have this dialogue as well, since I know you haven't you know, had as much interaction <laughs> at the shop. Uh, I want to thank the audience for tuning in and make sure that you come back in one month for the conclusion to Oldest in New Jersey. Don't miss it. Until then, don't be a flat squirrel. Support the show and receive exclusive bonus episodes at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. Check out my Superman podcast, Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey, available on all major podcast platforms. And be sure to watch the documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, on Amazon, Apple TV, and CuriosityStream.